As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. You need to relentlessly attack. Don't ever give up. You need to stay consistent. You don't need to do a crazy amount of things every day, but you need to do something little or try to keep pushing forward. And at the same time, you do have to be patient. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Zach Haptonstall. Zach, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great, Theo. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with your viewers and your listeners here. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the time to speak with us. So a little bit about Zach. He's the founder and president of ZH Multifamily. He is a lead sponsor, general partner, and equity owner of over $48 million worth of commercial real estate. His portfolio consists of 420 units. He is based in Scottsdale, Arizona. And his website is zhmultifamily.com. So Zach, you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Absolutely, Theo. So I was born and raised here in Phoenix, Arizona. Never really had much of a real estate background, no family in real estate. I wanted to be a football player. So I had a small division II football scholarship to a school in Colorado, went there for a bit, realized I wasn't going to make the NFL, came back. And the next best thing is I wanted to be a sports reporter and a journalist. So I went to a journalism school. I got a broadcast journalism degree. And I was actually a live news anchor on Arizona PBS here for a short time. And I was a sports reporter, hosted a show on Fox Sports Network. So that was really cool at first, being on live TV and everything. And I just quickly realized it, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wasn't passionate about it. I was a, a sports fan, but I didn't want to do that as my job. And so I had graduated school. I was 21, decided I don't want to do this. I have all this school debt. And I was like, man, I need to make money. So I was delivering medical equipment nights and weekends, Theo, while I was going to school to pay for school. And my boss was like, hey, you can make pretty good money doing healthcare marketing. So after journalism, I actually had a job of all things as a hospice marketer. So those, those are listeners who don't understand what hospice care is. It's basically mobile nursing and caregiving for people with end-of-life illnesses. And so my job was to drive all around Phoenix and just cold call, walking into hospitals, doctor's offices, assisted livings, build relationships with physicians, social workers, et cetera, to sign people up on hospice. So long story short, Theo, I was very blessed to do well in the hospice arena. So by the time I was 23, I was making 150K a year. I bought a house. By the time I was 24, I had gotten my MBA, paid off all my school. So I did that for about four years. I was blessed to make over 200K a year by then. I had no debt, but over 100K in my bank account. And, and coming from a lower middle-class family, I was blessed and doing well and grateful, but I just didn't feel fulfilled. I just was burnt out and I had already achieved all those goals in that arena. And I wanted to create more freedom of my time and more passive income. So I didn't know much about real estate, like I said, but January of 2018, I said, screw it. I don't want to do this anymore. So I resigned and I sold my equity in the company and I had no plan, except I knew I wanted to somehow create passive income through real estate. So I set aside savings for over 12 months. I said, I'm going to live off savings for the next 12 months. I ended up living off savings for more than 12 months. And I just kind of dove in. I started listening to podcasts like this one, reading books, cold calling people, et cetera, et cetera. Initially, I was looking at flipping homes, then mobile home parks. Then I learned a multifamily and syndication and the power of leveraging other people to come together and, and acquire these assets. So long story short, 10 months went by. I burned through a lot of savings went through a lot of adversity, just trying to figure this out. And finally, after 10 months, we got the first deal under contract. We closed it four months later. So it was 14 months from when I first quit my job and decided to do real estate full time that we got the first deal as a 36 unit. And then we were just fortunate to catch momentum after that. 
And since then, we closed on that first deal. Right now, we're near the end of July 2020 as we record this deal. And we acquired that first property in February of 19. And since then, we've acquired 420 units, 48 million over five assets all here in the Phoenix area. So it just kind of goes to show once you get that first deal, you catch momentum, we were able to scale up from there. Thanks for sharing that. So you said your first deal was 36 units, you said? Yeah, it was 36 units, 3.4 million. Correct. Perfect. So maybe walk us through how that deal came to be. So you mentioned that you had partners on that deal. You mentioned the cost and the size, but from you made your decision to do multifamily, you got educated on the process. Then what did you do? Did you first reach out to partners and then who did you reach out to for the money? Maybe walk us through that process from, okay, yeah. now I'm ready to start taking action to this first deal is closed. Great question because it's a daunting task, right? To take down these multi-million dollar assets. And I didn't have tremendous net worth or liquidity to even sign on these loans. So you have to find partners. That was probably the hardest part, Theo, was going through the adversity of trying to find people who are like-minded, who are motivated, and who actually can help you with these deals. And so I initially was just trying to meet with people, cold call people. Then I started going to conferences, meetups, things like that. I met a guy, Robert Shefchik, who also lived here in Phoenix, Scottsdale area. And we kind of hit it off and he's high net worth, high liquidity guy. He had been trying to find apartments. And so we decided to team up. So this first deal, to answer your question, it was on market. So it wasn't like some secret off market deal. It was through a broker, it was on market. I had personally underwritten at least 30 or 40 deals by that time and nothing penciled. Nothing really made sense. Everything's overpriced, which is the case in multifamily. This deal finally penciled. So Robert and I, we put in an offer on it and then it gets accepted. And we're like, oh crap, what do we do now? that was a scary thing. Like, well, we better just push forward. So we get the deal under contract and our plan was to syndicate the deal. Okay. And so I had a network of physicians and healthcare business owners from being in the healthcare arena and Robert had some high net worth friends. So in our minds, we were thinking, yeah, we'll just get this deal. All of our network will invest in the deal. It'll be great. So we get the deal under contract, 30 days go by. We're done with due diligence. We're each non-refundable for 25,000. So I have 25 K hard and nobody's really interested in this deal. So it's a scary thing. We're like, crap, we need to bring 1.4 million of equity to this deal. And our plan was to syndicate it and we're not really getting a lot of interest. So I was just calling different people I had met and established relationships with at conferences and had several phone calls with. And I get a call one day from somebody I had met at a conference and had several calls with. And she's like, hey, I heard you have this deal in Phoenix. I don't know how she found out about it, but she's like, I just sold a 12 unit deal in Seattle and I'm on a 1031 exchange. Why don't I 1031 exchange into your 36 unit deal you have, and we'll do what's called a tenant in common, a tick deal. And I'll bring 650K of equity. And I said, that sounds great. Let's do it. And what's a tick deal? How does that work? So I didn't really understand that process. So we originally planned to do a syndication, but we ended up doing a tenant in common, which is essentially, it's similar to a JV, a joint venture structure where everybody's active. There are no passive investors. So I, at that time, had about 162, 164K left. And I was all in, I put 160K into this deal. So almost all my cash. Robert put almost 300K. We brought in her for 650. And then I found a couple guys that come in at about 150. And we made the deal work. Okay, so we ended up doing a tick structure, not a syndication. We closed on that deal. And that just gave us a, a lot of confidence going forward. And then there's different things throughout that process. Right after that, I sold my house, which I was never planning on selling because I need more liquidity. And I invested that money in the next deals. But you just kind of have to figure it out. And you have to find complementary partners who have skills that you don't necessarily have. And that's the key, really. What do you think would have happened if that person didn't reach out to you for the 1031 exchange? Good question. 
I would like to think we would have figured it out and found somebody, but it's likely we wouldn't have been able to close and we could have lost our earnest money. That's the risk you take with multifamily. And you don't ever want to be too aggressive. You want to make sure you have stress tests in place in your underwriting and you have conservative assumptions. But of the five deals we've done and we have one under contract, none of them have been super smooth. It's like there's always these scary things that come up. So you have to get to the point where you trust in your underwriting, you trust the deal, the fundamentals, and you have to be a problem solver and overcome different obstacles along the way. And so I would like to think we would have scrambled because one part of that story, Theo, is that literally four or five days before closing, our lender calls me and says, hey, man, I'm so sorry. We were too aggressive on this underwriting on line item. We're cutting your proceeds by $227,000 right before closing. What do you mean? It's crazy. So we just scrambled and I had a friend who invested 150K and Robert found somebody who put in 77K. We made it happen. So these scary things come up and you just have to adjust and adapt. Another question I have about this first deal. So you mentioned that your business partner, the net worth liquidity guy, he put in 300 grand in your first deal? Yeah, it was like 275. Yep, nearly 300. And then I'm assuming he's the one who was the loan guarantor as well. So he signed the loan. Yeah, we both did. Yeah, but I needed his liquidity and net worth. Correct. And then before this, you had never done a deal before, right? Never. I had only bought a single family home, which was my primary residence. That's it. No other real estate. So why did he partner up with you and and put all that money into a deal with you and sign on the loan with you if you hadn't done a deal before? What did you do to sell him on this? We initially met in, I think it was July or August. So we had been meeting frequently and having several conversations for three to four months prior to that. And I think he could tell how serious I was. And I was transparent. I was like, look, I have this much money. I'm willing to go all in for the deal if I believe in the deal. And he saw that I was putting in 160K. So he knew I had skin in the game and that I had a lot to lose. And we were on the same page. But I will say, and he's a lot more risk averse than I was. So I was probably the more aggressive one to push to get that first deal. So it's really just about building that relationship and that trust, but it's never a perfect thing, right? It sounds nice in hindsight, but there was a lot of stress throughout that process. But um, we've been partners on all of our deals and it's gone well. So you really have to just build that relationship and you really do need to like the people you partner with because you're going to have to communicate with them frequently and you're going to have to have tough conversations. You're going to need to be able to hold each other accountable and call each other out if one person isn't holding their weight. And so that's the kind of relationship that we have along with our other partner now, Bikram Sandu. So that's important. So during this three to four months, was it just you guys kind of just hanging out, building a personal relationship where you just like, I'm talking on the phone, texting each other, getting coffee. Yeah. I think this is very important for listeners, right? Cause you had no experience and you were right. able to do your first deal. So that's why I'm kind of focusing on this a lot. So you, yeah. you, you met this guy in July, August, you had three or four months, had a conversation and then eventually he ended up investing with you. What were these interactions, right? How often did you meet this guy? Kind of get into some specifics. Yeah, yeah. We were, yeah, good question, Theo. We were meeting frequently, either at coffee shops or at his house. And so I'm engaged, getting married in a couple months, have no kids. Robert is married and has three kids. So obviously there's different dynamics, but he's full-time real estate and I was full-time real estate as well at that time. And so we were able to meet during the week frequently and we were underwriting deals together. I was demonstrating to him that in the previous Six months before I met him, I was already focused on multifamily. And I was showing him and demonstrating all the relationships I had built with brokers, property managers, lenders, insurance brokers, and just people in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. So that was really a key was to show him, look, I'm I'm fully committed and I'm serious. And and he didn't have any experience with multifamily either. Okay. So, and he was hungry to get in in it too. So he was trying to find a partner 
just as I was, but he had been looking for over two years. So I think when we kind of clicked and we realized that we're good complementary partners, it made sense for both of us. And we had complementary sets, you know, where he didn't really have the relationships and things like that. And, and I did. So it was able where I could bring value to him and vice versa. And it just comes down to mutual respect and both demonstrating that you're willing to work hard. Thanks for sharing that. That was really solid advice. All right, Zach, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? There's so many components to it. I guess if we're really focused on people doing their first deal, this kind of sounds like an oxymoron, but my best advice ever is you need to really attack. You need to constantly be trying to move the needle forward. And it's going to be very difficult because you're not going to have any tangible or, or visible evidence that you're making progress. But by listening to podcasts, reading books, and most importantly, getting out there and meeting real estate professionals like brokers, lenders, and starting to underwrite deals is the most important. So my best advice to you would be you need to relentlessly attack. Don't ever give up. You need to stay consistent. You don't need to do a crazy amount of things every day, but you need to do something little or try to keep pushing forward. And at the same time, you do have to be patient, which is where the oxymoron comes in. Because I got to the point, Theo, where it was eight, nine months. I was putting so much pressure on myself that I was discouraging myself. And I had to almost relax and just kind of let it come to me. So just keep attacking, be determined, stay faithful, but be patient too. Perfect. All right, Zach, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you serious about taking the first step in the gateway to financial freedom? Then join Jake and Gino on a four-week course that will teach you how to become a multifamily real estate investor. Go to jakeandgino.com. That's J-A-K-E-A-N-D-G-I-N-O.com. Okay, Zach, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Good question. So just to be clear, I don't ever actually read books. I do audio books because I just can't read books. But right now, I'm reading the Bible front to back on audiobooks. So I'm Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I'm doing audiobook, New American Standard Bible front to back, which is actually pretty interesting when you're like working out, things like that. There's a bunch of other good books. The Power of Ambition by Jim Rohn is a good one I listen to frequently just to talk about fundamentals and discipline. So those are two good ones. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? I would restart it and rebuild it. I would identify what were the issues, why did it collapse, take a little bit of time and reflect, and I would come right back and go into attack mode. I would just do it again. What is the best deal you've done so far? The best deal we've done so far, well, we've acquired five deals, and we have not sold any of them yet and gone full cycle, so it's hard to say. However, our first deal is under contract, and it's going to be closing in September, so it's got to be our first deal, our 36-unit deal. We bought it for 95 k a door, and we're about to sell it for 148 k a door in 18 months. And so it was a good value-add business plan that we executed. What's the best ever way you'd like to give back? We like to volunteer. We've been to Feed My Starving Children and done food boxes, things like that. We had signed up to go on a mission in Mexico through our church, but COVID kind of ruined that. So in the real estate industry, I really like to just help people and get on phone calls who were trying to get into it because I went through so much adversity and people told me I couldn't do it. So I like to get on phone calls with people and just share advice and, and try to inspire them or support them any way I can and just lend any valuable advice. Have you lost money on a deal yet? 
No, I haven't. Not on a multifamily deal. The only thing I've ever lost money on is the Super Bowl was here in Phoenix, Arizona, the, uh, in 2014, 2015. Okay. And I had a friend who had a previous Super Bowl had leased out a hotel and then subleased it because there's so many people that come here for it. So there's this really nice four or five star hotel, Talking Stick Resort. It's got a casino and all the hotels were booked in Phoenix. Okay. And I had this genius plan to sublease this. So I rented out this suite at Talking Stick Resort the weekend of the Super Bowl for four consecutive nights, Thursday night through Sunday night, a thousand bucks a night. I rented it out. Okay. And I reserved it and there was no more suites left. And my plan was to sublease it. So I put it on Craigslist, all these third-party websites, and nobody bought it. So I lost four grand and I literally stayed there for four nights in a row just to, so I didn't feel like I completely wasted it. And I didn't even have any fun or anything. So I probably won't sublease any hotels. That's a good story. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? You can just go to our website. It's zhmultifamily.com with no hyphens. You can email me, Zach, Z-A-C-H, at zhmultifamily.com. I'd love to get on a call. There's a contact us sheet on the website. You can fill that out and we'll set up a call and help you out where I can. Perfect, Zach. Well, thanks for taking the time to join us today and, and walk us through your journey. I think that the biggest takeaway that most people are going to get is the specifics you went into on how you were able to find that first partner. So again, you had bought a house before, but it was just your single family house. So this was your first investment deal, first multifamily investment deal. You said you met your partner at a meetup or a conference. You met in July or August. And then three to four months later, he was investing almost $300,000 into a deal with you. And you mentioned that the reason why he did this is number one, you were super transparent with him. And you mentioned that you were going all in. You're putting all of your eggs into this basket, which gave him right. confidence that you had to succeed or you were done for. Yeah. You mentioned the coffee shop and met. You went to his house and met. You said you underwrite deals together. And then the biggest thing that I think you said was, that you show them all the relationships that you had built. So you didn't come up to him and say, hey, let's do this deal together. And then he asked, okay, what's the next step? And then you had you know, a million things you needed to do. You had already had the education set. You already had your team built. So again, that portray that you knew what you were doing, that you were credible and that you were going to be able to get the job done, but you didn't because now you're in the process of actually selling that deal. And then you walked us through the process of that first deal and how it was supposed to be syndication you didn't have the money raised beforehand. You had a hard time raising the money. It ended up working out, but you mentioned that really on every deal you've done so far, there's always something that comes up and happens. So right. it's never going to be perfect. And so I'm making sure you have those problem-solving skills. And I think this also comes into your best ever advice about being patient and relaxing and not, not losing your mind when right. these things do happen. And then the other aspect of your best ever advice was to making sure that you are constantly in attack mode, constantly moving forward, constantly taking action, and realizing that just because you're not seeing that tangible evidence, you're not seeing that deal being done right away, doesn't mean that you're not actually progressing, which is where the patient and the relaxation comes in. So keep focusing right. on getting educated, keep focusing on building your team members, keep focusing on building deals, because because all of those actions added up daily will lead to you ultimately doing a deal, whether it's a month from now or a year from now. So Zach, again, appreciate you coming on the show. Best of your listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo.